Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Plot Lines. I'm your host, Connor. This episode is on a more sad, more somber note uh, with news. And I don't really do this very often. I think the closest thing I've come to with like mainly news was our, the election night special and that sort of thing. But it, it's just this one hit me pretty hard in the morning. Uh, George Newmeyer's death. Please pray for his the repose of his soul. Uh, first of all, that's the most important thing at this at this moment. Pray for his family and that. Uh, but it it just surprised me, as well as I think because I'm I'm so young in this uh, movement also that I'm not used to big uh, leaders dying i guess in some sense in and not really being part of my uh experience anyways uh and so we'll be talking about george more about george newmeyer's death as well as uh cardinal pell's death which was only like it was 10 10 days ago week ago something like that and then benedict the 16th died a couple months ago as well and all of that seems in my opinion at least if they're not connected they're at least related in people's you know psyche in their uh in their viewpoint. So uh with me today is Darren. Welcome Darren. Hey. And then we have Rick, the armed Catholic. Rick, you're muted. The worst traits I have is <laughs> I try to mute myself so I don't make noise for anybody else. But then they're like, hey, would you like to speak? And I go for five minutes and I'm muted. But hey, I'm happy to be here. And thanks for the invite. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, prepping for heaven. It's a very sad uh, news. Uh, he was 50. That it's, it's just kind of. It really makes you uh, hold, you know, note that you need to hold the people in your life dear, you know, and and pray and worry about death you know you you need to be aware of that you will die memento mori um but yeah so he died of malaria in uh off the ivory coast on the ivory coast so which he was uh reporting on the uh basically how the church was doing in africa at that time and from his from his uh, reporting it seems like it's it's not doing very well it's uh everyone's perspective seems to be that in africa the, the catholic church is prospering but that doesn't seem to be the case at least from his reporting and that the evangelicals are and the muslims are doing much better so there you know some people have said that that would be one of the reasons why he may have died uh if there is another reason other than malaria but anyways darren what was your uh first thoughts when you heard i mean i just it was just kind of a a surprise like when i saw it i was like what the heck like he was just posting on social media like a couple couple days ago about different things that he was seeing over there like you you know going out golfing like being active you know uh see, seeing different things seeing different churches and stuff like that I don't know if he was reporting on on the all of Africa. I think it was just specifically the Ivory Coast and about yeah. how it used to be like this huge, vibrant Catholic community and it just seems to have cratered in, uh, in more recent years and, and how it's like has this amazing infrastructure kind of built for it, but then the, nobody's using it. So it almost looks like a, I mean, it almost looks like a money laundering operation to, I mean, from the outside. So it's just, it, it just makes a unique kind of like what's going on here. So it's, but, um, so I mean, like, yeah, I mean, from that perspective, it's like, I mean, you, you can't know like, Hey, uh, was he, was he getting close to something? I don't know. I think it's entirely plausible though. Like I was looking up like malaria earlier today. Like it is plausible that like malaria could like, if, if it's a particularly nasty strain, it could actually take you pretty quick. So, Rick, what do you think? So, um, I my first thought when I saw this is I was not a I was I did not know him particularly. 
uh, as a lot of people did, but I do know of his work and I've read his articles before. So it took me a bit to actually connect the two. And uh, my first thoughts to this was it's been a real tough couple weeks uh, for us in either whatever you want to call it, the traditional movement, the rigid movement, whatever people adhere to the faith, whatever. First with the, the passing of, of Pope, you know, the death of Pope uh, Emeritus Benedict the 16th. I always say that title wrong, so please forgive me. Then the death of Cardinal George Pell. Uh, and then this death out of nowhere, the, like Connor was saying, you know, uh, Pope Emeritus, uh, Pope Benedict the, uh, the 16th, it's 95. We were all kind of just waiting for that one. Um, yeah. Cardinal Pell was a little bit of a shock, but then everybody was like, well, he was 81. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, that's, but then this one kind of hit and everybody went, all right, this is just, this is one gut punch too many within a short time span. And, um, it really is, as you said, Connor, memento more as, as the, the thought of, Hey, we have to, uh, always be vigilant of these things because somebody who was such a warrior, when you go back through his, his writings, you know, a warrior for the church. Um, in uh, this is not, I'm not saying it's to denigrate him or anybody else. People always go, well, how could, how could something happen to somebody who was so on fire for, for the, for the faith? And, and it's like, Hey guys, that has nothing to do with it. You know, we, none of us know the day or the hour. And, and so I think it's kind of a nice reality check for a bunch of us that, you know, you, I go to the right masses. I go to this, I do that. I do my rosaries every day. I should live for as long no you got to be ready when uh when the time comes it's a, it's a shockingly terrible thing still uh in that regard yeah i think one of the uh, interesting things also about it was you know he he had recently been on uh catholic drive time so that was you know so like it just seems so like you know he like su the suddenly dying part is crazy as well as the per the group that tested him for malaria was the consulate was the u.s consulate which <laughs> the government is the least trustworthy source of any information at the moment pretty much so it it doesn't it's not the most calming thing to yeah. be like oh yeah the u.s government says he died of malaria well i mean tied with the fact that like he looked like he was fine healthy and active when he was posting just a couple days ago he is in africa like if you, you think that if you're going to travel to africa you're going to know hey what is the number one risk malaria <laughs> and so it's like what what options do you have to protect yourself from that uh one of them is hydroxychloroquine like it's a it's a prophylactic that you can take to help and like i think you can take it like two weeks before it's supposed to help kind of so like what particular nasty strain of malaria would he had gotten if if we're gonna I mean if we are gonna presume that somebody like George Newmeyer, like who's fairly well traveled, is going to take the time to protect himself against that risk, like what are the odds that he's gonna get like a particularly nasty strain that's like really aggressive and gonna take him out in the matter of like hours? Yeah, true. Yeah, uh, do you mind if I ask it, this may be a personal question? Do I have to answer it or not? Mm -hmm. Has either one of you experienced uh, a death somewhat like this where somebody has been in your life and, and then suddenly gone? I'll go first. My father died at a stroke at 60. Uh, uh, and, you know, I talked to him on the phone one day. He had just moved down to Florida. And then a week later, I was told he died of a heart attack like that. And then he was gone. Uh, so I don't know if it's a personal question, please do not, you don't feel like you have to answer it. But when you have that and you actually have that experience where it's like somebody, you know, and we're talking to, and then one day is gone the next, it really doesn't shock you as, as to somebody who has not experienced something like that yet. And, and so for, yeah. for me, when I, and I have this such a macabre way of looking at this, people look at like, I'm so weird because my mom died at, 58 my dad died at 60 uh so anytime somebody lives to like 81 95 i'm i'm like sad great life which is yeah. why newmar at 51 as darren was saying it's just really strange 
Um, but as somebody who has has seen people at young ages like that die and pass on, it, it, it it's something that you're at least prepared for. So I don't know if you guys you can answer it or not. It, that I'm just throwing out my own experience in that regard. I mean, I had a I had an aunt pass away a couple of years ago. I think she was about 60 and she like just had a, she had like a cardiac event and, and passed away and it was super sudden. I mean, it was just uh, one day she was there one day she was gone. And I think, I think uh, like you said, like it's just a different event. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't necessarily talking with her that, that particular week or anything like that. But like, I know she was, um, you know, I know my mom and her talked a lot. And so all of a sudden it's like, uh, it's totally out of the blue. It's unexpected. And and I know that it really hit my, uh, my own mother pretty hard because like she's, it's not like she doesn't have sisters or brothers who haven't passed in the last few years, but it's like, they were all getting close to the age of 80. Like it's kind of getting to that point. Like you say, like you're kind of getting point, you're kind of expecting it or something's happening where it's like, Hey, they're, they're dying. They're going to like in the next couple of days, it's going to be gone. But the out of the blue, it's just, it really kind of hits you different. Hmm. Yeah, I would say I haven't really experienced uh, a sudden death. Not that I can think of. I mean, so even uh, most of the people uh, that, like, w- when they would have died, I I was pretty young when they died. So I didn't really have that. Um, I don't really have that knowledge in the back of my head or experience uh, of someone dying suddenly, which I guess I'm lucky at mm. the moment uh for not experiencing that but you know so it, that uh, might be explain why it hit me so much when this happened and mm. also it just seems like we've been we've been experiencing a lot of death in the catholic world uh, on a on a big scale on a notable yeah. scale i guess and not even that the fact that it's people who in our side or whatever you want to call it i hate even doing stuff like that but real warriors for the faith people you could look up to pell going through his absolutely unjustifiable uh imprisonment in australia uh and then being exonerated but being an example there obviously everybody has their opinions about pope benedict the 16th and what he did for the latin mass and and how he was you know, a lot of people felt like the last vestiges of any kind of protector of tradition. And then, uh, as we said before, George, who was not afraid. I think we could all, I wish, let me not speak for myself. I wish I could speak as bravely as he could against a lot of people uh, in the church settings. And, and so when you see people of that status move on, die, um, it really is. Uh, it's, it's a tough couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I would say one kind of. I mean, it, I don't know that it's really a consolation, but one thing like that's hard to really kind of keep in perspective when stuff like this happens is the idea that you know, you know, you, you know, in your title you have loss of good men. Like, if they're truly good men, like, listen, like they're not gone. And in, in some respects, like what we what we teach as a church is like that the good that somebody can do in heaven is even more is to a greater degree more than what they can do on earth. And so in some respects, it's like here you have these what we perceive as warriors like, OK, yeah, they're they're gone. But at the same time, like, are they gone or are they been put in a more strategic position in a sense? Right. So that's one way to look at it. I mean, it's still very tragic it's still very sad they still need prayers right like for the repos mm-hmm. of their soul so that they can make sure that they get through that purgatorial uh fire if they if they need to endure that so that they can be put in that spot where they can uh you know be of a greater assistance to us but uh i mean that's i don't know that it, i mean that's that's something to try to keep in mind and sometimes when when stuff like this happens is um you know if if somebody that we really admire and look up to. And, you know, if we don't, if, if they're not in hell, that means they're, they're actually going to be in a, in a, in a more powerful spot for intercession. Yeah. I also think that this might just be a manner in which God is bringing us to 
focus on the holy souls in purgatory like uh bringing our mind to that because that is to me that's one of the uh things that's happened in my prayer life uh because of these deaths like i don't think i ever like for it it took i i don't think the holy souls in, holy souls in purgatory were as prominent or in the mindset of at least people my age um you know just in general uh, and i think that's a sort of good that might come out of uh some tragedies and also just the um you know benedict was old so you know just death in general is reminding us of these things yeah but anyways so i think one of the interesting things though about that people are uh reacting to as well let me i'm gonna share my screen uh hold on uh yep so just the uh this was in december uh are you seeing this uh in december yeah i remember seeing that this uh I I didn't check the, like the tweet, but I you know this is LifeSite news, uh, that you know he's talking about his possible death, and that's just kind of uh, an interesting element of this story. Well, I think I think with the way that, I mean, as confrontational as as uh, George Neymar was with with kind of you know, I think I mean. It, it, in some ways, like he can kind of say that a little bit tongue in cheek too. Like he knows that he's really kind of riling a bunch of feathers and he knows, you know, like the church, the church is, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you hate to think that there are bad actors in the church and you, and it's, mm -hmm. and, it, and, you, and certainly you don't want to call them out, not because like, you don't want to call them out and focus attention on yourself, but because like you, like if you don't know, you don't know, like you, you don't want to be, <laughs> be a calmness against somebody, but like there, I mean, like we, there's history of like some bad actors in the church. Like, I mean, Pope, uh, Pope Pius the ninth had an assassin after him in the Vatican and he had to escape <laughs> like in the middle of the night from the Vatican uh, to to get assassinated, and it's it's a it's a and and the story is popular because like he apparently like cursed at like the person he was with trying to get a door unjammed, and that's supposedly the thing that kept him from becoming canonized a saint. <laughs> and then yeah, you know you also have the conspiracy that like uh, Pope John Paul the first supposedly like was was killed, even though he was like had a had a heart attack, like a cardiac arrest, I think was official. But like, there's people who suggest that like, Oh, he had a big blow up just the night before. And then, and then he was gone. So, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some of that. I mean, there's, again, you don't, you don't really want to say that there's bad actors, but at the same time, like, I mean, that's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, it's the church is a powerful institution. Even if, even if people think that it's kind of, waning and dying away um it it really is i mean if you if you study ecclesial politics you probably understand world politics even better because it, mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a mirrored event yeah it's just definitely true that george newmeyer had enemies oh yeah because he because he I, I mean even if order even if it wasn't somebody that was truly like inside the church, I mean, there's plenty of fanatical people. <laughs> Especially I mean, the way that the church is divided right now. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. plenty of fanatical people that could think that, you know, they could be, you know, I mean, you just never know. Also, we all know yeah. that Africa is the Wild West. And so anything can really take place down there. And I know people don't want to think in such ways that, you know, how could there there be any kind of plot against anybody from from Rome? Uh, just got to remember that the 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 
the church that our Lord and Savior founded isn't fallible. Unfortunately, the people that run it are not. Um, and, and they're subject to the same uh, passions and the same whims that you and I have to face. And, and so, um, especially when you have a guy that is so fearless in the face of the very, you know, a lot of people would, and we've seen it in the past with, with other things that the church has, has suffered through that a lot of good people stepped aside uh, rather than risk upsetting the powers that be when, I mean, when George figured he didn't really care. Like, yeah. I mean, Pope Benedict even was like, Hey, the, you know, pray that the wolves don't like get me. And then he resigned. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, and honestly, like I, you know, when he became Pope, I was like, you know, I almost feel like this guy could be a living saint just by the fact that like, just because of, the fact that he's kind of worked so closely with John Paul II and you have, you have historical record of different saints that like clearly like they knew each other and just that, that mm -hmm. kind of yeah. cooperation, like they just kind of became saints with each other. But like the moment that he resigned, I was like, well, that's, there goes that. Like he, he stepped like, that's not heroic. That's like that heroic courage piece is like, well, he didn't, I mean, it's, it, it kind of th makes me think a little bit of like, you know, uh, a story of like, Pope Pius the the twelfth, uh, like it was a there's a Chinese cardinal that fled like during the the communist takeover, and he basically chewed him out. He said, "You, what do you think the red is? It's a the, you wear red because it's a symbol of martyrdom. Go back to China." And then he like fled to the U.S. and like hid <laughs> for the rest of his life. <laughs> Go back to yeah. China. He's like China's that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then he headed out yeah. uh, real quick while you're talking about Benedict, Connor, I don't mean to step on your toes here, but no, the, the idea of Benedict leaving, let me just, let me offer just a, a, a pushback or just a counter argument, devil's advocate. That really, I mean, if you ever studied um, Benedict or when he was Ratzinger, he was never a confrontational guy. He was a straight intellectual and he always felt the power of his words were sufficient enough uh, to get his point across. He was definitely not um, the the bishops of old or, uh, or you know, Dagger John out of out of New York or Pennsylvania or any of these guys who are like, I'll pound, mm -hmm. the, I'll burn your city if you touch my church <laughs> or any of these kind of guys. You know, he was a he was a very intellectual man. And, you know, Darren, unfortunately, he was yeah. just like, hey, th these are not this is just I can't I'm not I'm not this is not my deal. This is not what I do. I'd rather just kind of write about it instead. Right. And, well, and I want to point out, hold on, Darren. I want to point out just that uh, uh, Pope Celestine V, who is the one that resigned prior to Benedict XVI, or like he resigned back in the, I don't remember, 12, 1300, something like that, medieval Pope. Uh, he is a saint. So, mm. so I think that should at least be, it's not impossible for him to be um, a yeah. saint because he uh, he resigned. Though I do <sighs> think it's interesting because so like George Newmeyer, it, it was so aggressive in his reporting and stuff like that. He was a fighter, and I think Benedict at times was his own kind of fighter. Mm. Um, but it it's almost it makes me think does like would this have been a, the end of benedict the kind of an end a death like this or something like that if he hadn't resigned like was he did he know that there was something to avoid in that sense and that's I mean, why he resigned I don't yeah know. we we don't know uh i will say i will say i think i think the part of the reason why sometimes benedict is given this like oh he's a he's a terrier kind of like oh he's really is because he was the head of the cdf for so long and he did put out statements that a lot of you know uh, more left-leaning catholics really hated and so like it really was kind of like so i mean part part of our part of that perception of putting benedict on that pedestal like here's this rottweiler and like this this you know this this badass guy is partly because of the way that people spoke out against them.
yeah. too. Yeah. Like, he, like I, I would agree with you. He probably was more soft-spoken, but at, at the same time, there, there were definitely people who tried to make it sound like he was so much more mean and like really like comfort, more confrontational than what he really was. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree Any, with that. Anything else about Benedict before we go on and talk about Cardinal Powell a little bit? I'll drop in with um, with with Benedict because Benedict was one of these um, very rare birds that came out of Vatican II more radicalized to the right than when he went in. Yeah, he was very open to the ideas of Vatican II, but he's you know based on his writings, seeing what taken place, he decided he didn't go full right, but he didn't. He was out of the the hippie part. The at least from what I've read. I, I actually think he is more kind of in line. I mean, in some respects, he's probably more in line with what kind of history and tradition kind of sees when somebody in the church who has, who, who is also goes on to have a little more power, like recognizes, like when they take more of those um, liberal elements, they become a lot more, like I'm thinking of like Pope Pius the, the ninth or even Pope Pius the 10th were both mm-hmm. kind of considered like, oh, here's like, and then they became like, really you know big juggernauts to be like let's condemn all these errors of liberalism (laughs) and uh i mean in some respects like it almost makes pope francis kind of the uh outlier in some respects that somebody who actually gets to that level doesn't like flinch a little bit and say hey wait a second i gotta be on top of things instead it's like kind of continuing with like this almost like personal idea of what the church should be versus like realizing that this is a lot bigger than him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and almost like he, he decided to go the other way right. instead because he was going to double down. Double down. Him. Yeah. Yeah. This is his opportunity. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, continue to pray for him and hope to yeah. you know, it's never too late. It's never right. too late for him to reverse course. That's right. No. Well, so we got Cardinal Pell's passing, uh, with, was I think it was within ten days or yeah. ten days ago. Um, that, that one was still kind of shocking when it originally happened. I think it. I think it. I think at this point it's kind of softened a little bit, but it was. It was still like because I mean it's not like oh he's going in for surgery, but like yeah, but yeah like after after that it's like okay well, I mean that the thing is is that you would expect it to be like some sort of heart bypass or something like that. Like a hip surgery seems pretty routine is the only thing with that. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of feel like it seems like a more routine surgery, but it well, kind of think goes... about it. Honestly, the, the idea that surgery, we we're so commonplace, right. we are ripping the body open to, to replace things then. And right. you know, the sterility of the environment and all that kind of stuff. Right. I get what you're saying, Daryl. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've had multiple surgeries on this busted old body of mine. And yet uh, we, we still were very casual to it. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to follow up and say. Like, but it just kind of goes to like it's still surgery. <laughs> like, it's still a risk. Yeah, and and most like most probably, you know, like being a cardinal of the church. Like, I think he had the good sense to know that, and and most likely probably made sure that he, you know, had some anointing done before going into it and everything. I know my my mother got hip surgery two or three years ago, and that was one thing. Like, she made sure she got an anointing before she went in to do that. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, agreed. But Car- agreed. Cardinal Pell was, you know, it's such a big or uh, sort of outspoken critic of of Pope Francis, especially with his memo that it was yeah, it came it just out came out. Him. Yeah, it just came out like, and it was came it was under a, like a pseudonym. Feels like when Tupac released like seven albums after he died. It's like, oh, all yeah. right. Well, I guess this is, uh, this is another one that was just released. Yeah, like, and it and it adds to the suspicious aspect of it. Well, I mean, well, even just looking back at his imprisonment, like that whole thing, like that whole thing, he got embroiled in all of that, like after he had done this audit of the Vatican Bank and was about to release his findings, and then suddenly, like a huge cash flow was sent from the Vatican to Australia, and he was had all these allegations against them. Like he was just, yeah. you know, he was defamed and he had to go deal with that stuff. And he couldn't like he had to step off of what he was doing. And it's like that was clearly 
that one was clearly a that was clearly a hit job. Even though it didn't kill him, it was clearly a hit job to like get him to to, to take him off what he was doing. They've definitely tried to take him out. In yeah, some in some fashion, in some capacity. It wasn't yeah. it, it wasn't a direct killing, but like it. So I mean, in some respects, it's like that makes it like that's what kind of makes it suspicious is because you know that you know. He's definitely a guy that they tried to take out. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, got, they, they tried to silence him at one point. We got Benedict the Sixteenth, who sort of fled from the wolves, is a, is a possible interpretation. There could also be another, but uh, but then we also but then we have Cardinal Pell, who gets arrested and is in prison for a long time, and then is released. I think a full and year. Everything's over. Everything's overturned. Two. Or two, and then. And then he dies in the Vatican, uh, of you know, from compli- complications. And uh, was it a heart attack? I thought it was cardiac I, arrest. I, I I didn't I didn't know if I just heard complications. I didn't. If you have more information on that, then it's more I than I heard. I think it was cardiac arrest and compl- or comment combined or was a part of the compl- complications in the hip in the surgery. Uh, but that's you know I don't know that's that sounds. A little vague, um, and then you have George Newmeyer, who basically dies in Africa, who is you know really yeah. aggressive in his work, I, and you know I don't know I just think the I think it's harder to pin down exactly what happened in yeah. in I, in Africa. I will say if Archbishop Vigano or uh, Cardinal Burke go down in the next month, like that's going to be really suspicious. <laughs> Like it's it's going to be like, okay, now this is getting almost, this is almost now like, let's put out our tinfoil hats here. Like, this is going to be. <laughs> well, I, I don't even, th- like, at that point, I, it's like too many coincidences. Yeah. Yeah. If, no, that, I mean, if that happens, I, it is a tough stretch of day uh, 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 to, to go through. Um, the, the, if you want to get superstitious, bad things always happen in threes, as you can right. say. I don't know if you've ever well, heard that phrase. Yeah. Uh, which would be uh, ringing true right about here. So, yeah, you uh, definitely want to get uh, some some private details around Cardinal Sarah, uh, maybe around Bishop <laughs> Dicklin, uh, if we can right. put, maybe get some g- gifts and goes and, and crowdfund some uh, some cash to get around those guys for some rounds, <laughs> round o'clock security. Uh, maybe who wants to volunteer to eat their food? For the next couple yeah, try try uh, a bite. Make sure. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll, I'll do that for Strickland. I don't mind. I'll drive up there to take care of that. Uh, but but yeah, it's it definitely. And the problem is, is that we are in such a place right now. There's such a divide that we even have to have these discussions, or even to have to even. Are we suggesting about. it and not like not being like, oh, it's t- that's such an improbable and implausible idea, and it's like, well. i mean it it sounds crazy but how crazy is it like let's look at the past two years even like everybody was saying all these all these other things were crazy and they came true (laughs) well yeah every conspiracy theory is basically coming true at this point right so like it's 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 kind of scary because it's becoming like the and thinking worse about human beings generally is becoming more popular you know, it's mm. it's easier to think po- more poorly about uh, your fellow man. Just, I don't know what it is. I, I'm, is it really, has humanity gotten a substantially worse? I don't think so, necessarily. But the I have the a lies... theory about that, but... <laughs> well, Darren, what's your theory? I, you know, I think it goes, I mean, it kind of extends back the last 20 years. I think it has a lot to do with kind of a changing sense of morality that we've kind of begun developing that kind of started with like a little bit in the LGBT movement, but you really, really stall ramped up with the COVID stuff. And I think it's just almost like this, what I would say is almost like this violent kind of erasing of individual personhood, like that you're not allowed to be an individual person. Like you, like you, you have to, you have to be, celebrating things that you don't want to celebrate you have to be willing to tolerate things that you would necessarily want to tolerate to get along with everybody and it's this and 
And if you stand up against that, then we're going to tell everybody else that we're making their life harder because of you. Mm. Right? Like it's, so it's just, so that just kind of, and there's people who are like, oh, well, this person who refused to get the vax is causing me more hardship. Like if they just do it, I'd, I'd be, our life would be better off. It's because of them. You know, it's like, it just, it creates, it just feeds into this kind of frenzy of like, well, we got to be against people because it's the people who are against us that are causing me hardship. Yeah. And, I, mean, I, and I think it, I think it kind of feeds into the other, other side of the rhetoric too. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of like the whole, I mean, I, you know, Hildebrand was a big, um, was a huge opponent of, of uh, Hitler. And like, he, he, he used to think like, well, yeah, we won the battle, but Hitler kind of won the war. Um, and like one of the ideas of Hitler is like, we'll make it so that if you really want to beat us, you'll have to become more authoritarian than we are. You know, like that's, so it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's still a little bit of that in play where like, Hey, and, and I think I kind of see that you kind of see that in modern politics too. It's like, instead of, instead of having actually like these two divides, it's like, Oh, well, we'll, we'll beat you at your own game kind of thing. And it's like, that's not, that's the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rise of this new religion, whichever, I mean, it, it doesn't have a deity at the center of it, if you want to say that. Right. Uh, but as you pointed out, you can say it's the LGBT MAP movement. It, it's just the how it's expressed. Yeah. It's you could even say the, the fact that it's the rise of the religion of individualism and how everybody's individual rights and personhood or whatever their needs their desires their lust must be satisfied uh in order for society to to really be to its fullest yeah uh also hey brick uh, uh sorry this was a little last minute so that's probably why you uh, uh, why you didn't know we were going live but yeah but we're here yeah. buddy <laughs> mm -hmm. we're here we're here and uh, uh i am really grateful for you guys coming on with me uh today so thank you for that hey people keep asking me to come on these things i don't know why but i'll always say yes <laughs> <laughs> well you know you don't know if you have time though come on yeah i'm so busy <laughs> 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 i'm just so busy uh but no i'm, I'm glad to be down here and uh I'm, I'm happy to be talking about this kind of stuff and, and really examining um the fact that we are in such a place that we can't just say oh we had these three people they died and let's pray for their souls and and the church can come together and unite around that instead we have to be like well did you kill him or did the bugs kill him or the fact that covid showed up and then nobody could get access to hydroxychloroquine and that killed him and it's just you know i guess it's just the stupid intellectual you know our our dim-witted intellectual you know brain capacity that that's the only way we can justify this stuff mm -hmm. yeah and, yeah it is it is a little unfortunate too like particularly with cardinal pell and like uh uh pope benedict how how quickly people were like well let's let's go ahead and dissect their legacy and like tell people like what what these men were really like and it's like whoa whoa hang on like that's i mean i know I mean, even like, I know, like, even with the passing of uh, George Neymar, like, I know somebody like shared something like he even posted after Pell was like, well, we don't really, I mean, like, yeah, he, he was tried in Australian court and was like exonerated, but like, that was for those particular crimes. We don't know anything else. And it's like, I mean, in some, I mean, it, you know, in some respects, it's like, yeah, that's, that's awful. I mean, he, he makes a point like we can't really know about what somebody's state of their soul actually is. But like at the same time, like it's just, it's still like even like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's how we all kind of view that almost in a way. Like we're not really, we, we got to that position where we want to comment on it instead of just saying, Hey, this is just a sad thing. Let's, let's pray for their soul. And, and let's, let's hope for the, let's hope that, you know, let's entrust them to the mercy of God and hope for the best. You're, you're talking uh, about denigrating them. 
denigrating their life. Yeah, I mean, like, like some, I mean, like, yeah, some people like maybe not even denigrating them, but like, just, I mean, some of that, some of that conversation doesn't need to happen like immediately after somebody's death. Like, you know, like it, there's a time and a place for that. And it's not like, all right, the body's cold. Like, now we can talk. Like it's not like seventy-two hours later. Like okay, now it's starting to smell. Let's let's go ahead and throw all this other stuff that stinks out with here too. The immediacy of now in yeah. our in our society, where we have to have the hottest of hot takes, and what is his effect? I mean, any historian will tell you that the effects of an event, a person, cannot be fully um, uh, analyzed for at least twenty years. At least twenty years, in, in our instant gratification society, we have to have books and 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 uh, blog posts and all podcasts, uh, except for this one. This is a fantastic version of it. Uh, <laughs> but but we're not we're not trying to dissect yeah. and 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 give our first take on it. We're just trying to reflect on the events of the time. People want to get their stamp on as the expert, or they want to be the person that came out with this. And it really is just a reflection of the desperation people have for attention. Uh, and, and as somebody pointed out in the chat, narcissism in its finest form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, definitely narcissism is huge these days. And, you know, as people who are doing podcasts, that's, uh, you know, something we all need to be mindful of mm. is not being narcissistic. Or holding ourselves back, you know, from, you know, sometimes we shouldn't be jumping on a story. Sometimes we should just be waiting and uh, thinking and, you know, it, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, sometimes hard to, uh, to manage, I think, for many people. Well, there's a difference between like, hey, this happened. And how do we look at it versus like, this is my opinion of him. And he was obviously this, that, and the other thing. And his, you can already see his impact. I was trying to tell people back in 2008, you're not going to be able to figure out George W. Bush's impact as the president (laughs) until 2020. And with quantitative easing and all the other stuff that he put in place, what we're seeing now, just as a quick example. You got to, you got to at least wait until the other party is willing to like hail them. as like, Oh, he, he wasn't as bad as he really as this next guy. Like it's like, like <laughs> that always that always seems to happen. It's like suddenly the next guy gets in and it's like, oh well, don't you miss the good old days when that person was here? Yeah. Well, the <laughs> like, next, yeah. it's gonna be the the next opponent too. It's not right. it's not usually right. the next. Uh, so it's got to be the next opponent, which in democracies tend to be the situation. Usually, you know, one person's in power and then and then the rival comes in. That's that's usually how it works. Yeah, so, that's completely you know. correct. I, I miss the Which, Athenian way of like de- deposing somebody for 10 years. <laughs> Which, I mean, in some sense, that's what it felt like when Benedict, or, or that's what it seems like when Benedict resigned and like, you know, Francis is kind of the uh, the anti-version of Benedict in in a lot of ways. And that's Cardinal Pell. Cardinal Pell's criticism is that things are confusing and that uh, in the Vatican and that... Uh, you know, basically that things are corrupt under Pope Francis. Yeah. Well, that's just an observation. <laughs> More than <anything> else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. the, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Pell was breaking any, uh, any barriers by just kind of observing what he sees day to day. Yeah. And, and it's not like he was making declarations that he was the anti-Pope or any of this kind of stuff. He's yeah. just observing. Like so that's, that's big when you're in that like in the Vatican like mm. that people don't really do that much. That's, I mean, Vigano probably was the, it was the predecessor was the previous person who did something like that. Well, it, it almost makes you think too, a little bit, like how bad does it actually have to get before somebody's like, I can't not break my silence. <laughs> like yeah. I can't, I can't just hold this into myself. How bad does that have to get before somebody's like, okay, this is enough. And I wonder if he kind of knew he was dying. I wonder if there was some knowledge about that. For I mean, uh... I mean, if you look up, you know, we, you know, I mentioned at the, at the beginning, like I mentioned, like Pope John Paul the first, like you know, if you look up his signature, like even just on Wikipedia, he signed his name Pope John Paul the first, 
which is just so odd because he was the first one. Like even like his Cardinals and stuff like that said something like, isn't that a little bit like presumptuous? <laughs> he's like, it'll come soon enough. Like it'll like, it'll like, I'll be replaced soon enough. And like, he died within the month. And so it's like, so I mean, yeah, may, you know, did he know? I, maybe. I mean, they, I mean, it's very, it's very plausible that maybe he did have some kind of premonition. It was like, I got to speak up before, you know, like this is, I mean, if if you knew you were going to die within the next month, and you're like, all right, is it better to keep this on my chest or get it off? <laughs> like, like what might you do? Like, I don't know. Also, like, yeah. Is, yeah. sorry, yeah, go Are ahead. You I'm just. No, I was. I was finished. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, we have to take into account that you know, history and the moment weighs on you the older you get. You know, I, of course, all of us always hear the phrase tomorrow's never guaranteed, but we all kind of brush it off like I, I'm this that, and the other. You know, once you cross into the 80s, you really can't hold anything back for a better day. <laughs> you can't yeah. be like in 10 years, I'll release this or in five yeah. months, I'll release this because they're really especially if you, you know your your hip or whatever he went in to get worked on is bad. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to have to go in and get this taken care of at some point. Um, so the, the idea of, you know, how much longer is it appropriate for you to wait on something the older you get? Yeah. It's also, it's also interesting to note that he was 81. So like he was not a Cardinal elector, right? (laughs) So like he was over the age of 80, which is like the cutoff. So like he would not have been invited to the next conclave should have happened, which, you know, also important to note is that I think, I believe there's 126 voting cardinals right now like How many because 100 120 is the max and so like when when uh-huh. so that was something yeah so when pope francis, we off six of them yeah when pope <laughs> Fran, when, yeah when pope francis named them last last year he named he named more like there there would be more than the, what was necessary and like i even think like even after the even after the course of a year i don't think enough of them age out to get down to 100 i think it's like almost takes until next next until 2024 until they age back under 120 does that mean something that. is pope francis telling us something i don't know there <laughs> I, I mean there's also the chance that like even if something were to happen there, i mean i don't think all 120 have ever been in a conclave like there's always like a handful that aren't able to make it Due to health so reasons and stuff like that, so there, that could have been part of it too. Knowing, hey, this person's not going to make it; they got health, you know. Or that's something kind like of that. an interesting rationale. Though. I don't know. That's a heck of a backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting in 140 of them just in case. Yeah, we're making, we're making extra cardinals. That's right. Hey. At that point, it doesn't even matter. It's like everybody's a cardinal. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Would you uh, like that, Rick? Would you like to be a cardinal? Why not? <laughs> why I, not? you know, I mean, technically speaking, you have to be a bishop, but at the same time, like I think once you age out of like the 80. I don't think those rules really apply. Mm. Like I think they, because it becomes an honorary title. Like you can't do anything with it. So it becomes an honorary title. Like Cardinal Dulles was a priest. Like he wasn't a bishop, but he was like 81 when he was conferred the title. (laughs) Almost like an honorary doctorate. Yeah. It's basically, that's basically what it becomes. Once we get to 80, we can become Cardinals. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, technically under canon law right now, you have to be a bishop of the church to become a Cardinal. To be, but the exception to that is like you you do notice that like when you see a priest or a deacon or somebody get named a cardinal, generally speaking, like you'll also notice that they're over the age of eighty, so it becomes well, like an honorary like title. How often yeah, is yeah, canon law know. followed? What's that? How often is canon law actually followed these days? Well, I mean that that's the that's. That's actually one of the debate that like a lot of people would have. Like even when uh, John Paul II was uh, pope, he's like, "Yeah, there's 120." But like John Paul II even like named more cardinals than he was supposed to. And they're like, "Does the number even matter? Like it's canon kind of law, but he named more." So like, what? I mean, it worked out. I think there were only 117 when he died, but like it's like playing you know, the odds, right? 
He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die soon, so I'm just yeah. gonna appoint more. That used to be only eight <laughs> when it first came. So, what about yeah. twelve, like the apostle? <laughs> right. A little bit of an increase, just a yeah. bit, just, just a, a just a, a little just bit. a tiny bit, yeah. yeah. And I bet they were all Italian. Well, they they were because they were all like the the. They were all cardinal. They were all bishops of the Italian peninsula. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that yeah. Italians anything wrong with that, but. Well, also Italian doesn't exist. Remember. Uh, well, at the time, absolutely yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I think I think there were a couple of Sicilians and like you. Know... Be Wait, careful what? of them. What's that? You gotta be careful of them. The Sicilians. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially when death's on the line. <laughs> Especially when death's around. Right. They sniff it out. <laughs> Which is perfect for this episode. That's right. <laughs> we should have had we should have had Anthony on this episode. <laughs> we would have told you, yeah. Uh, we would have heard nothing but Italian stories for 45 minutes. So I'm yeah. good with that. Yeah. I would have never been a- you, Anthony. I do, man. You're my boy, but I would have never been able to get anything in. Yeah, we love Anthony. He's great. We do. We do. That's why we're that's why we're teasing him. <laughs> I'm half Italian, so I can only tease him fifty percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so do you guys have anything uh, closing things? I think we should wrap it up about um, you know any of either Cardinal Pell or uh, Pope Benedict or uh, George Newmeyer anything. Uh, to wrap things up, Darren, you can go first. I, I mean, I, all I would, all I want to say is like memente mori. Like it's just you know, like that's that's honestly that's the thing to take away from this. I think the most important thing to take away from this is that uh, you know these seem sudden, and it's like yeah, like you, we should be prepared for that. Like we we should be trying to live every day prepared for that, and uh, certainly we need to pray for their souls, and we need to remember. The souls of those who, uh, in our own lives, whenever we hear stuff like that happen, like not just these, you know, relatively um, famous people, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, like, we, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, as much as we might say, oh, well, there's something like, is there something to it or anything like that? Like, it's just, yeah, it's just, um, you know, pray for their souls. I think that's very well said, Darren. Um, the, the, remember, neither the time nor the hour. Um, I also think that we here, in at least in certain communities, want to focus on the negative aspect of this. Oh, we lost Pope Benedict. Oh, we lost Cardinal Pell. Oh, now George Numa. This is, it's, when will it end? Um, you know, newsflash ladies and gentlemen if you're a catholic you might want to read the bible because there's there's a lot of suffering in there um and there's a lot of tests and there's a lot of times where you're like okay this what what am i supposed to do now lord what you know what am i as as our holy mother said your will be done um and i think we need to celebrate i think we don't celebrate enough um the deeds of men who were so on fire and so who had so much joy in, in defending the faith Were they all perfect. No, another flash. None of us on this panel or anybody in this audience is. Uh, so I think we're quick to use that. Well, what about this and that negative? Hey man, nobody's you know outside of, you know, you know, our saints that, you know, St. Joseph or the Holy mother or any of these others, um, nobody is perfect. We all have our faults. And so I think we need to, to to look to the writings of the intellectual giant that was Pope Benedict and and, and as as comfort and guidance and look at the strength of somebody like Cardinal Pell that no matter what obstacle was thrown against his way, he never lost his faith and he came out determined to still push and 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 defend the good, the true and the beautiful and, and a layman and, and George Newmar's his gift is that you don't have to be Pope. You don't have to be a Cardinal to, to really, you know, be a warrior for, for God and, and for our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. We t- the word warrior is kind of tossed around a lot 
and I get it. I use it too. It's fun. You know, it's a great, you know, it's a great way to fire people up and, and use as a, as a describer, but you know, those three guys were warriors and did they win all their battles? No, but they did a heck of a lot for us. And I think we need to not be so negative um, as far as, well, they're gone. What are we going to do? Guess what? That means three more people get to step up. All right. God does not leave us without examples and, and people to, to help, you know, shine the way forward. Uh, so yes, as Darren, so really well pointed out now they're up the, you know, Cardinal Pell and, and hoping, and, and I hope George Newmeyer, I don't, you know, we can never expect and, and Pope Benedict, they're up there praying for us. They're up there praying for us and they're doing a heck of a lot of good up there at the church triumphant. Um, and I think we just need to kind of mourn passings obviously in and but not mire in it i think a lot of us and i do it too i'm not, I'm not perfect in any way we all kind of get mired in it like oh no what are we gonna do is like, all right now who's next who's stepping up next and who's who's gonna be the one to continue to to push forward and and so uh to, to, to once again, quote the very often quoted St. Padre Pio, you know, pray, hope, and don't worry. Yeah, great. Do you have any uh, specific uh, ideas for us how to celebrate lives? I feel like some of us don't know how to do that very well. Like celebrate the lives of somebody who's died. I, you know, I, I you know, I, for, for me particularly, I, I don't know. This is an idea that I've been incubating in my head for quite some time. <laughs> so I'll share it. But like, I kind of feel like that is the gift of grief and sadness is that it, it brings us to, to remember the things that we do miss the, mm -hmm. the virtues and the, and the great things that we do uh, want like that, that we remember. And, 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 you know, the gift of that is that now it's like, okay, here's something that's missing. And how do we celebrate that? We try to bring that back into the world through our own actions, through developing that virtue in our own lives. That's how you celebrate people that you love is by uh, celebrate the life of people that you miss is trying to, to replicate the virtue and the joy and the life that they, that they gave. That's great. Yeah. That's thank really, you. that's really well said in that regard. Um, I guess for me, how do I do it? Um, Connor, you, you hit the nail on the head since both my parents have passed. I'm a, one of my devotions is the suffering souls in purgatory, uh, purgatory manual. I do that twice a year. Um, every time in the rosary, I mention as many souls of the faith of part of as I can remember. Uh, you know, you, you, uh, there's a, there's a prayer. There's a very short prayer at the end of the purgatory manual uh, you know, for the love of Jesus and Mary and for the relief of the suffering souls in purgatory. Every time you're in some kind, I mean, the purgatory manual is funny. It's like, even if you get cut off in line at the bank, you know, and you're, you're angry instead of getting angry and getting frustrated, say, even for the love of Jesus and Mary and for the relief of the suffering souls in purgatory, I offer it up. It really gives you a, a sense, um, that, you know, I, I can't. And, and once again, I fall victim to this all the time. Please don't you can't waste time being angry. Can't waste time doing all this other kind of nonsense. Um, and so for me, I, I try to celebrate the loss of loved ones by praying for their, you know, trying to as much as possible, remember them, remember them kind of like what Darren was saying by remembering their virtue, just try to remember, you know, who they are, you know, my father and my mother and my uncle, this and this and this person, remember them. And I pray for their souls and, and if they're in purgatory and or in the, the beatific vision, they can pray for me. And, you know, because I've, I've seen this quote on Instagram and all these. If you realize um, how quickly people forget you, you would not care about what everybody thinks instead of just devote your life to God. I think it's St. Francis Xavier. Don't quote me. I know I probably got it wrong. Um, so for it me, the way. It is. Oh, it, no, it, is, not, a I, it, it is. is a saint. I'm it sure is it's a saint. saint. So, it is a saint that said it. Right? That's one half. That's one half. Yeah. Um, so for me, and and Connor, once again, once you once you actually experience that, uh, you realize that how quickly life passes on in these people's names. That's why they want you to go to cemeteries, and you know, after the after uh, All Souls Day and All Saints Day, 
is to go towards, you know, go to the cemetery, find the Catholic graves and pray for the people that are there. Because if you go there, you'll find that nobody's been there in a long time. And those graves are are empty and nobody's praying for them. So for me, I just try to remember the names of everybody who has died and pray for them. I think there's even some like indulgences that you can gain on certain days of the year to go pray for the, you know, like yeah. go, go pray yep. for the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Rick, where uh, can people find your stuff? Um, right now you can find me on news from the pew, uh, where we, we just had our episode today with Steve Cunningham and John Arrington and, and Fwaz, my awesome panel guys. I love all of them. Um, also the You can check me out there. Uh, and, uh, and I got some things coming in the next, uh, next couple of weeks, couple of months. Uh, so just stay tuned for that. And, and anytime Connor wants me to come on, that's where I'll be too. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Darren, thanks for coming on again. Yep. Uh, Welcome. Thanks for having me. At, it's absolute p- pleasure. Uh, please uh, like, share, comment, and subscribe before you click out, so, click off this video. Um, thank you all for watching, and have a blessed evening. I really, I appreciate, especially people watching live. It's a, uh, it's uh, an honor that you choose to listen to the show. So thank you. <laughs>